Alright everybody, I'm Logan Alec, I'm a CPA, and this is my update for Sunday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you out there. Hope you're treating a loved one to some chocolate, or maybe just treating yourself to some chocolate or whatever goodie you like. Nothing wrong with that. Honestly, it's a pretty slow news day, so I'm just going to jam through this here. If you've been following my stimulus updates, you know that Joe Biden and congressional Democrats are pushing for monthly payments for parents of children under the age of 18. The current proposal is $300 per month for each child up to age 5 and $250 per month for each child ages 6 to 17. Some estimates show that this could essentially cut child poverty in half. Unfortunately, distributing these benefits comes with its own set of challenges, and some experts are concerned that we won't be able to reach or even identify some of the families who need that money the most. Like the stimulus checks, the Democrats are seeking for these payments to go out in full to single parents with incomes up to 75000 joint filers up to 150000 but there are also millions of children whose parents don't file federal taxes at all. Kids in that situation are particularly likely to be in poverty, so this is one of those situations where the people with the most need could end up being the hardest to identify, especially on this kind of scale where you're talking about millions and millions of families. Another hang-up is that these payments are meant to go out to parents who had custody for more than half of the previous year, but that will create a time lag where let's say a, a parent starts taking care of a child in August of this year, they'll only have custody for less than half of 2021, so they won't get the payments necessarily until the beginning of 2023 when the credit starts to look at data from 2022. Now, these problems aren't necessarily irresolvable. For example, House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal has suggested creating a website for parents to update custody information, but personally, I never feel very confident when I hear that the federal government is going to make a website to make things easier for people. I trust you probably feel the same way if you had any issues whatsoever last year with the IRS Get My Payment tool. Republican Senator Mitt Romney proposed another solution. He wants to have the Social Security Administration manage these payments rather than the IRS and the SSA. They get your information at birth, so they should be able to distribute those benefits even if the parents don't file taxes. On the other hand, they would still need the IRS to be involved when it comes to determining who's eligible for the payments, right? Based on the income. So there's no quick fix that would suddenly make this program super easy to administer. Of course, these are only problems for a small percentage of recipients. There have been similar issues with the stimulus checks, obviously, but most people still got payments at least relatively soon after the stimulus was passed. So this isn't necessarily something that would derail the program entirely, but it's something to keep an eye on as Democrats finalize this proposal and move closer and closer to passing it in the COVID relief bill. School reopening is another issue that's been in and out of the news cycle over the past few months. Obviously, there are strong opinions on both sides. The CDC released new guidelines on Friday that cover how school districts can approach in-person learning during the pandemic. They want elementary schools to reopen for at least some in-person education, regardless of the transmission rates in their community, while middle and high schools should stick with distance learning during outbreaks. Another important point is that the CDC doesn't think that vaccinating teachers is necessarily a prerequisite for reopening. Of course, teachers are still a top priority, but the CDC doesn't believe you need to vaccinate every teacher in school in order to reopen safely. Now, to be clear, they're not saying it's completely safe or anything like that. And given the current rate of transmission, under 10% of all students would be cleared for full-time in-person classes 
under the new CDC guidelines. And even after reopening, they recommend that schools consider weekly tests in order to stay ahead of any potential outbreaks. But this is still a step in the right direction, and it sets the stage for gradual reopening in 2021, depending on how well we're able to combat the pandemic. And fortunately, our infection rate is at its lowest point in over three months. Of course, it's hard to predict whether that trend will continue. But if, if you look at the case graph here, you'll see that we're definitely moving in the right direction. Just to recap on the Trump impeachment, as I told you yesterday, the Senate voted to acquit the former president. Yesterday, I also brought up the surprise vote to allow witnesses at the impeachment trial in the Senate. News broke over the past few days that Trump may have known Mike Pence was being targeted and still refused to call off the rioters. And there were also questions about a phone call between former President Trump and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy during the attack on the Capitol building on January 6th. Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler, one of 10 House Republicans to vote for impeachment, said that she had been briefed on the call and called on others to come forward with any information. It looked like everything was leading up to the Democrats calling Herrera Butler as a witness, but almost immediately after they voted to allow witnesses in the trial, they almost immediately changed their minds and decided to simply enter her public statements into the record and not actually call her as a witness. So the last second drama ended up being for nothing as the Senate voted later in the day yesterday to acquit former President Trump, as you all know. That was a 57-43 vote, pretty much in line with what we expected from the beginning with both independents, all 48 Democrats, plus Republican Senators Burr, Cassidy, Collins, Murkowski, Romney, Sass, and Toomey all voting guilty as well. And even though the House can impeach a president with just a simple majority, as you know, the Senate conviction requires a two-thirds majority, so they would have needed 67 votes to convict Trump and potentially prevent him from running for office in the future. Now, you might be wondering why they would go so far as to vote on approving witnesses and then decide not to bring any in, and that decision ultimately came down to impeachment manager Jamie Raskin. He said, we could have had 500 witnesses, and it would not have overcome the kinds of arguments being made by Mitch McConnell and other Republicans who were hanging their hats on the claim that it was somehow unconstitutional. We tried this case as aggressively as we could on the law and on the facts. We got from the president's lawyers exactly what we wanted. And Democrat Joe Negussi, another impeachment manager, told Face the Nation it was very clear that witnesses that were not friendly to the prosecution were not going to comply voluntarily, which meant that we were going to be litigating subpoenas for months and potentially years. Similarly, Democratic Senator Dick Durbin, who obviously voted to convict Trump, said we were never going to reach 67 votes in the Senate without Mitch McConnell voting guilty. What we did with this impeachment trial was not at the expense of President Biden's priorities. We'll be returning to them quickly when we come back to Washington. So ultimately, they didn't feel that calling witnesses was going to affect the result. They didn't want to drag this on and spend time drawing out the trial even more when there are other priorities and the outcome looked like a foregone conclusion. So they simply entered Herrera Butler's record into the statement and proceeded with the final vote. And Trump was obviously acquitted. But now that the trial is behind us, the Senate will quickly pivot to passing the upcoming COVID relief bill, hopefully, right? As well as com as well as confirming some of Biden's cabinet nominees. All right, everybody, that's what I have for you today. Tomorrow is President's Day, which is obviously a federal holiday, so, so there will be no votes in the House or the Senate. Starting Tuesday, the House will pick up where it left off last week by working in committee to produce a final version of the relief bill and send it back to the Senate. 
As I reported in the last few days, there are rumors that the Senate will put the package to a vote immediately rather than doing their own committee work. This would cut off most senators from having input on the bill, but it would also allow them to get it to Biden's desk more quickly and potentially put it into effect before the current round of federal unemployment benefits expires in mid-March. Again, those are just rumors, nothing definitive at this point but something to watch out for as we continue moving through the procedural steps of budget reconciliation. So as usual, I'll be back tomorrow with another update. Thank you so much for watching to the end, and I'll see you in the next video, and have a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's Day. Bye-bye.